This is Yonder. Welcome to episode 40 of the Yonder podcast. We put out a podcast about every two weeks talking about remote work. We talk to leaders of distributed companies and uh, managers of remote teams and virtual managers uh, about how they make remote work work. Uh, and this week we are talking to Michael Moradzada, whose name I pronounced correctly, I hope. <laughs> I certainly practiced it quite a bit. Michael gave me some permission to pronounce it incorrect, incorrectly, so hopefully we're pretty close. Um, Michael is the uh, CEO and co-founder of Remone Law, uh, and they are a fully distributed law firm uh big one too they've they've got a what did he say 110 people um at the company and uh yeah we tend to talk to a lot of like tech firms um a lot of people sort of doing various flavors of computer development uh on the podcast um but i always really like when i can get um someone with a with a perspective from a different vertical, different way of, uh, different business model, different business type, uh, uh, on and, uh, and, and Michael certainly is that he's a, an attorney himself and, and runs a, a company that, uh, has 80 attorneys on staff and 110 people total just spread out all over. Um, and a great conversation, great ideas, uh, good stuff from Michael. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, if you're not already subscribed to the Yonder newsletter, please go do that. Yonder.io slash newsletter. We've got the newsletter that also comes out every two weeks. And uh, um, in addition to all of our content on the blog uh, at Yonder.io, uh, we also fill out the newsletter with links to stuff that we've found out on social media or, or whatever, just sort of, you know, the flow of ideas around remote work. Uh, great place to stay tapped in there. And of course, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, uh, visit yonder.io and in the upper right-hand corner, you can find the links to iTunes, Google play stitcher, um, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher is, uh, and, and subscribe so that you can keep up with all the things that we're doing. All right, let's get to our interview with Michael Moradzada. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Yonder Podcast. Hello, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, um, we uh, will oftentimes, uh, sometimes on the podcast, but oftentimes in the background, talk about all of the different types of work that can be remote or could be remote. Um, and lawyers and law firms is, is one that comes up all the time. Uh, and for a little while there, I thought, oh, I need to, it seems like there ought to be a remote law firm. <laughs> and then I, I came across you guys and, and have managed to track you down and get you on the podcast. And so I'm really excited to, to talk to you. Um, first of all, uh, tell us where you're talking to us from. Uh, I'm at the moment in a hotel room in uh, New York City. Actually, I came here for a couple of meetings, uh, but I'm based in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So tell us about Ramon Law. Um, how long have you been around? Uh, you're the co-founder of the company, um, and, you know, sort of how it got started and, and what your role is now. Sure. Actually, uh, you know, quite coincidentally, this is our 10th anniversary uh, or I, I guess uh, 10 years plus five days, March 1st was our 10th anniversary. Um, and so uh, we are a high-end law firm focused uh, on corporate law, uh, but full-service corporate law, intellectual property, uh, real estate, tax, uh, business tra transactions, litigation, uh, and, and even trust and estate work. 
for, for corporations and their executives. Uh, and we launched 10 years ago with a particular focus on uh, providing a higher quality service than, um, than the white shoe firms we came from, uh, but providing more flexibility for our clients and our lawyers. And have ha, has there been a focus on remote all along, or was that a, a transition for you, I, part yeah. of the growth strategy? No, it was actually uh, always the the core of our model. So uh, my co-founder and I were uh, were attorneys at Ropes and Gray, which is a very um, old white shoe firm. I, I believe started before the Civil War in Boston. Uh, and so, uh, for, for those who aren't familiar, white shoe means basically law firms that have been around for a very, very long time, very elitist, um, but focus on quality. And so there were certain aspects of it that we loved. We loved the, the academic aspect. We loved the collegiality, the real, real focus on, uh, doing things perfectly, um, and, uh, uh, and making sure that, uh, there wasn't a, a, the attention to detail, making sure there wasn't a, a, a single mistake in anything we did. Those were all wonderful things. But we realized that, um, there were a lot of aspects to, to working at a traditional law firm, which really at that time was the only option, um, that were outdated. Uh, and so to be more specific, we, uh, I, I was working in the San Francisco office. It was actually a, a relatively new office of the firm at that time. But most of my colleagues were in Boston or New York. My clients were in London, Morocco, uh, Guernsey, all over the world. Right. Uh, and even my clients who were in the same physical building that I was in, one of Barcadero Center in San Francisco, <laughs> uh, which is Bain Capital, was one of my clients. And they were right there, just a couple of floors above me. We still never actually got together. Right. Uh, everything was done by email or telephone. And so I started talking to my colleague, Yaakov, who had just moved from the Boston office to the San Francisco office. So with him, it was even more obvious because he moved and there was no change. He kept his Boston phone number. His email was obviously the same. His clients were the same. And so we started to think, wow, okay, well, you know, the firm is spending all this money on fancy office space nobody ever really comes to. Uh, and at the same time, we're not really investing in technologies that uh, really uh, embrace the reality of the 21st century. Uh, and at that time, cloud computing was uh, was developed. It was not fully embraced yet uh, from a security perspective, but it was very obvious that cloud computing was going to change everything. Um, you know, having deal rooms and, and litigation war rooms where you're printing out thousands and thousands of pages of documents and pouring over the documents uh, in a room um, were already... Uh, uh, you know, becoming extinct, but to the extent that they weren't, it was ridiculous because it was a waste of time, money, resources. So we realized, wow, okay, we're working remotely anyway, but we're doing it in an inefficient way. Again, it was focused purely on telephone and email while sitting in a fancy office. So we launched with the concept of creating a law firm where everybody works remotely, therefore nobody works remotely because everybody's actually um, in the distributed network that embraces social media, embraces video conferencing. Um, there is no uh, central office. Therefore, um, you are uh, you are not uh, removed from the action if you don't come in every day. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, we can get into further details from there, but that was always the idea was to build a team that was first and foremost focused on quality and collegiality uh, to do it internationally. In fact, the day we launched, we were already in Tel Aviv and San Francisco. So we were international before we were even national. Uh, and then um, and then to uh, provide the platform, so to speak, to um, collaborate uh, in a 21st century fashion. And that's what we've done. Wow. Yeah. Um I love this concept of everyone works remotely, therefore no no one works remotely. <laughs> right. uh, 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 I've certainly come across that. Uh, and and ultimately, at my company, Lullabot, we started calling ourselves a distributed company right? Um, because that seemed like a better term that I implied can. that everyone was working remotely. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, and again, that, that, that 
you know, remote, same Latin roots is removed. Uh, there's a central place where people aren't. They are removed from that. And people are not when there's no central office. That's a, yeah, that's amazing. I, I, um, I'm curious about this, this, um, it seems oftentimes that remote work, uh, which ultimately sort of has uh, sometimes people's mind go to outsourcing um, and sort of anonymous workers and and a lack of quality. Uh, I've certainly found that it's actually a great way to go the other direction and increase quality. Um, this must be something that you have, at least early on, really had to grapple with as a law firm where so much of what you do is based in trust. Yes. Talk to me yes. about that. Well, absolutely. Right. So when, when we were starting this and over the years we've refined the system, we've, we realized that really the, the key to quality, first and foremost, is at least in a law firm, is the quality of the personnel, right? So making sure that we uh, were very careful in vetting every attorney uh, and member of staff that we brought on board. And, uh, and the, the distributed aspect of it, um, required them to also be, you know, self-starters, uh, people who don't need to be supervised on a day-to-day basis, um, but who have a proven track record of really, uh, producing, uh, you know, excellent work product. And so once we did that, uh, and, and we continue to do that and refine that process, and by the way, that that is in a sense self-selective, right? I mean, if uh, uh, in, in a firm like ours, a distributed decentralized uh, model like ours, uh, people who do need to be supervised and don't feel comfortable having autonomy um, aren't really attracted to the model. So it's it's pretty easy to vet for that anyway. But once you vet for quality and, and collegiality, then the platform really gets exciting because then the platform can provide um, tools like document management systems, billing systems, um, video conferencing tools that we use, a social network that we have internally uh, that allows for lots of um, lots of opportunities for our attorneys to work together and work together very, very closely, to work in documents live together, um, to uh, have meetings um, with clients using video conference. But, you know, if they need to, of course, they can fly in. Mm-hmm. And what we found is actually compared to the traditional model, uh, this actually allows for better quality, yeah. Uh, because you know, traditional law firms, at least, like I was saying earlier, you know, I was sitting in San Francisco with colleagues in New York representing um, clients in London. None of us see each other. We're all using the telephone and email, which is actually you know causes a lot of problems. There's yeah. there's various um, Different versions of documents that are floating around, mistakes uh, happen. You can't even see each other, each other's uh, facial expressions. So in negotiations, it becomes difficult. You know, when I would actually travel to, let's say, uh, New York or uh, London to to meet with uh, my colleagues, I might not even rep- recognize them in an elevator, right? <laughs> uh, and so the reality of the world now is that we are working, you know, internationally anyway, but we we're pretending as if we're all you know sitting in a room together. Uh, so what we did is, is by recognizing that we could really build a model again that actually um, improved on that model. Uh, and so uh, we use video conferencing very regularly. You log in, you could see your colleagues, click on their name and video conference with them. Um, we Our meetings are all video conference twice a month. So we all actually see each other firm wide. Um, and we have, you know, an internal social network. You know, we use Yammer. So we, we have the the, what I call a virtual water cooler. Um, we also get together three times a year physically. So that's important. Uh, but again, because we are in this distributed model, people really value those meetings. You know, it, it actually takes on a much more, um, uh, I, I would say it becomes much more uh, exciting when we all get together. Yeah, sure. Uh, as opposed to, again, the... the, the, the <laughs> getting together with the people that you get together with every day is not as exciting. Exactly. If you get together every day, you go into your, your office, you close the door, you don't really ever talk to anybody, you never get to know anybody, you maybe know two people you get lunch with. And so it never, you actually, it ironically, uh, are less likely to get to know them. Um, and so... Because we are distributed and decentralized, 
we're forced to focus on collegiality and, and collaboration. And therefore, I think we've come up with a much more efficient, uh, not just cost efficient, but actually work product efficient way to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and I think our attorneys know each other and actually like each other much better as a result. Yeah. How many people are at the, the firm these days? We're at 110 now. We've got ah. 80 attorneys and uh, 30 uh, professional non-attorneys. Wow. That's amazing. Um, talk to me about the relate. I mean, t- the, you, you've, you've grown pretty large. Talk to me about the relationship between being remote and uh, growth and growth strategies. Does, it, does being remote make it easier for you to grow? Yes, certainly. Uh, yes. I mean, there are certain things quite, uh, I think, obviously, that, that are more of a challenge when you're remote, right? If, if you were growing in, say, just, I don't know, Chicago, and you just had, you know, 100 people in Chicago, uh, a lot of things would be a lot easier, right? Like, you wouldn't have to keep getting a new lease every time, uh, you know, you hired a couple more people. Right. Uh, on the flip side of that, so, I mean, therefore, for, just to be clear on that, what I mean is, you know, when we, because we are distributed, our attorneys are distributed across 17 locations, which means you've got, you know, <laughs> filings in different states. You've got, sometimes we do need to get office space that's, uh, it's not traditional office space, but office space people can use when they need it, mm-hmm. you know, tools like that. So it becomes a little bit harder um, when you add people in that sense. That being said, uh, it is definitely easier to grow. Because you can scale much faster, since everything is cloud-based, with with the exceptions of a few things like uh, I alluded to just now. Um, if we wanted to bring an attorney in, um, you know, Dallas, Texas, where we don't currently have an office, or you know, Singapore, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to do so because we have uh, you know cloud-based interface. They can log in anywhere in the world as long as there's a secure internet connection, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, we, we need to do some filings because we are a law firm. So there are some regulatory issues to practicing law in different locations. Sure. But, um, but it's fairly simple. We don't have to, uh, you know, worry about running out of space, physical space. Um, uh, so to use that example I was using earlier, let's say we were just in Chicago. That would be fine if we had unlimited office space. But of course, we wouldn't. So we would have to worry about running out of room. We'd have to worry about constantly moving as we grow. We'd have to find space to put people We'd have to hire only in one location for for support staff, whereas now we we can hire anywhere. So it makes um, growth uh, it, much more uh, efficient. It makes it a lot easier and uh, and actually and um, more replicable. Yeah. Right. Because our trainings are done; they're videos. We can record right. those videos. Um, so uh, so. Yes, absolutely. It makes it a lot easier to scale. Yeah. I, I, I realized after I asked the question, you know, it was a little bit of a loaded question. It's not, I should be asking, does, does being remote make it harder to grow? But, but I've been, I've been sort of thinking about this a lot recently and realizing that there's a lot of systems and practices that need to come in a lot earlier in a, in a distributed company than they would in a co-located company. In a co-located company, you can conceivably get like 80 people kind of into a room together and, you know, sort of spread the message that way. Whereas with a distributed company, around the time that it gets to 15, 16 people, you need to start putting some systems and practices in place to be able to syndicate information and training and all that kind of stuff that you wouldn't really need to do until you get into that, like somewhere between 50 and a hundred people in a, in a co-located company. And at that point, you've got so much more momentum, uh, you know, inertia in, in not having those things that it becomes a real big hurdle to get over to learn how to grow past that 60 person point, uh, you know, in a co-located company. So I think that's a very, very good, good way to put it. I think that, uh, that's true. Getting, Getting a distributed uh, corporate infrastructure set up, I mean, the first couple times is actually fairly relatively easy, you know, thanks to cloud computing. But yes, to get it from, let's say, two guys to, you know, uh, 20, 30 people, I think maybe is, is harder than what you need to do in order to set up one location. But yes, absolutely. Once you get it past a certain point, I'd say maybe 30, then I think it becomes much easier to, to replicate. 
than if you were in one location. Uh, I also want to mention one thing that you know is is very very key here um, that allows for uh, faster growth um, is is the ability to find talent. Right? I mean, yeah. Uh, if we were in one location, uh, obviously it would we would be uh, you know it would be a much smaller to, pool to draw from. Yep. Uh, and especially in the economy right now, where the economy is really strong and uh, employment is actually uh, pretty. Uh, pretty high rate of employment it's it's not uh, so easy to hire people uh, in, in any case uh and and so the ability to um hire anywhere in the world makes it a lot easier yeah. uh to, to grow yeah. for that reason um and, and, and of you, course there's there's that added benefit that there are a lot of people who want to work from home mm-hmm. right so that yep. so it makes it not only do we have a larger pool to draw from but we have um, that distinct advantage that uh, that brings us more talent than people than than if we were a traditional model. Yeah, yeah, and this is the catch twenty two that if you're in a small market where it's relatively easy to hire the talent that's there, there's not as much talent to hire. And if you're in a market like San Francisco, that's a larger market, there's also more law firms that are competing and and it's that much harder to find people. So to be to kind of decouple from that and then. Also add on the added advantage of you can work from wherever and we'll give you flexible hours and um, and all that kind of stuff is is uh, is amazing. How how are you finding your talent? Where where are you uh, tending to to find people? Ah, very good question. <laughs> so um, you know our our main focus is finding uh, the senior attorneys, right? I mean we we have of course support staff that are very talented as well. Uh, and so that that is uh, when, when we're looking for support staff, it's in some ways more specific. We're looking for the specific type of person who has a specific expertise uh, with a specific uh, salary in mind. Um, and, and, you know, again, the draw there tends to be the ability to to work remotely, quote, end quote, right, <laughs> to work from home or 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 maybe even a, a, an office, but in you know, Hawaii or wherever they want to work. Uh, but when it comes to the attorneys, I, there's, I would say, three ways that our attorneys come to us. Um, the best way for us is uh, is when they come to us through another one of our lawyers. Our lawyers are very happy, I'm, I'm proud to say. There's very uh, low attrition rate. Mm. I think uh, I, I saw one of the studies you quoted uh, on, on, on your website about um, how People who work remote tend to be less likely to to leave companies, uh, and that's definitely been the case uh, for us. So our attorneys are very very happy, and they tend to bring in their friends, uh, and that's that's ideal for us because they already know them, they're vetted, and again, you know, in a distributed model, uh, it's it's nice to come in when you already know somebody, so you don't feel completely lost the first couple uh, weeks. Um, so that's that's where I would say about a third of our lawyers come. Um, the second path is uh, we've established a, a nice reputation. People know about us because there's a lot of press coverage about us, and um, you know we've we've got lots of great clients, so they might be on the other side of a deal, uh, or their friends uh, have have dealt with us or heard about us, and so they come to us directly. Uh, that's also obviously wonderful. That's self-selected, uh, and so in those cases, it might be you know an attorney that wants more flexibility. Um, in let's say billing or where they work or when they work um, or uh, it, it might be someone who you know for example we have one attorney Jill Berliner who's uh, an excellent uh, Hollywood uh, music lawyer uh, but she wants to live in Lake Tahoe uh, mm-hmm. so she goes you know her clients are all over the world uh, so she she came to us because she wanted to be able to work from Lake Tahoe without feeling remote. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the other law firms that allowed her to work from Lake Tahoe still made her feel like she's not really Removed. part of the, the yeah, form. yeah 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 yeah. So those so those are great, of course, when they come to us. And then the third group, we we do also work with recruiters, um, and uh, you know that's a little bit more of um, you know going out there. The, the recruiters go out there and spread the word, and that requires um, a little bit more explanation, of course, and. <laughs> Uh, the interesting part there is that we found that those candidates that come to us through recruiters, um, they're very excited about it. Uh, and the, the, the biggest uh, concern we've gotten uh, for the last 10 years 
is they believe it's too good to be right. true. They just can't. Right. Believe I was going to say, yeah, it seems like a scam for a recruiter to to call and say, "We've got a job for you, and it's remote, and we're going to pay you the full rate that a lawyer would get." As you know, and and, and yeah, right, right. Uh, and, and they think like someone's scamming lawyers. That doesn't seem smart, but. How is this exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So our recruiters, our successful recruiters, have actually learned, you know, and, and it's not even as much. You know, they make up to twice as much coming to us. Not even, you know, it's not even comparable. So our our uh, successful recruiters have learned that they actually have to lower the pitch right, in order. Exactly. You know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll yeah, exactly. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that that's been that's been an interesting learning experience. So it's been it's been fun. But yeah, those are the three ways our attorneys yeah, come to us. Yeah. One of the things that I've I've come across and I'm 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 curious, especially as I hear recruiters, is is um so much of the hiring um institution you know that you know like linkedin you have to choose the city where you're where you're going to hire someone you know that's like the first thing that they want to do is sort of classify by city and i know recruiters work sort of similarly lots of times they they have a you know a territory or something like that so um how how does it work when you're just sort of can hire someone anywhere i mean certainly you know, lawyers, but then also with staff, like I've had a hard time, you know, hiring like a bookkeeper because bookkeepers all team seem to look locally for their, their job listings. And they're not thinking that they could even work remotely. Um, yes. A yes. whole bunch of questions there, but all I could say is yes, that that's, that's been our experience as well is that, you know, you point to LinkedIn as a, a great example, um, and and we use Indeed as well to post for jobs, um, and they all require you to say, you know, what location you're hiring in, uh, and so uh, you know, you're kind of in in a way we're forced to in those situations as well as with recruiters uh, hire as if we're hiring in 17 cities. You yeah, know? Um, right. And it's a shame because. You know, potentially we could be hiring in thousands of yeah. cities. It's not even limited to those seventeen we're currently uh, located in. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I I, th- I think that recruiting is is an industry that's definitely still ripe for disruption. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting that LinkedIn and and other modern um, uh, you know personnel companies uh, still still are stuck in that kind of paradigm. Um, but I guess it's going to still take some time for, for people to, to shift the way they look for jobs. Yeah. yeah. Cause when you have to choose, you know, you can choose Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but all the people who are in that grand <laughs> the remainder of Pennsylvania in between, like just aren't, you know, they're, they're not close enough to drive to those cities. They're probably not looking at job listings in those places, but they'd be great for, you know, remote work if they're, you know, talented people who are still there uh still in the in the in the middle places uh you know i think i think that there you know you've hit on a really good idea i think linkedin or indeed or whatever they should have a, a another option for want to work from home right i mean i don't know why they don't they should be pittsburgh philadelphia new york whatever and home. yeah <laughs> you know? uh uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that it's a well, pretty the, easy fix. Yeah, right? and there are job boards uh, like Flex Jobs uh, and and others that are sort of more focused on, um, you know, are, are sort of more geared towards that that type of thing. Um, right. And but but the whole way that the listings work, the whole way that the vetting of the listings work, because oftentimes work from home is synonymous with a scam of some type, uh, um, that some of these job boards probably just stopped <laughs> put letting those go up because they were just, you know, it was too much work vetting them. You I, know? See. I don't know. I don't I know. See. Well, that, that makes sense. Right. No, and, and, and you're right. Absolutely. There are lots of great uh, resources for people who already know that they're, that this is an option. I guess what I was thinking of is more for for places like LinkedIn, where you know people people didn't realize they could be doing like you were saying bookkeeping from home for a reputable company. But I didn't think about the the notion that you mentioned, which is that maybe maybe LinkedIn and others feel that too many scams were, were 
we're getting through the well, system. And, and we just need to get to that tipping point. And, and we're starting to get there where companies like yours and mine are, are going out and talking about what we're doing and, 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 you know, transferring our, uh, histories and general legitimacy to legitimacy of remote work distributed companies and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to be on the cutting edge. It of is. All this. It is. I'm curious if it, I'm guessing ten years ago there weren't a, a whole lot of like role model companies for you. Like, how, <laughs> what, what were you modeling yourself after, or were you just sort of was it a fully creative endeavor? Uh, um, you know, starting a distributed law firm ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a good question. I've, I haven't thought about that in in, in years uh, about where where we look to to for guidance. So my background uh, was in more in technology, right? So I went to to Berkeley undergrad, uh, and so most of my friends were engineers. They were in the engineering program, and um, I grew up in Silicon Valley. So I worked for uh, Napster and uh, and a, a couple of dot coms that no longer exist, including a dot com uh, I started with my brother. Uh, my co-founder Yaakov also had a background in technology, um, and so, and and I, I'm a technology lawyer uh, representing VCs and startups. So uh, we looked more, I guess, to technology companies uh, and how they were doing things, because in the law uh, or, and professional services industries, we didn't really see many yeah. um, many parallels. Um, which which is funny because we we. We thought so then, and we clearly see now that um, law is actually particularly suited for this because attorneys typically, as I've been saying, you know, are in front of their computer. They're working with Word. Uh, they're they're using emails and document uh, management systems and all these things that it's it's actually particularly suited for this. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's where we were we were looking. There were you know tech companies that were already doing uh, things like this. Um, there were, um, you know, I guess, uh, medical practices that were doing things like this with radiologists, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, so we looked at, at those, uh, uh, as, as resources, um, there were investment management firms that were doing this. Um, so I guess those were more our role models. Uh, and then, uh, we, we also thought by the way that we only had about a five year head start. We thought law firms would catch up and do this. <laughs> and and uh, it, it, it seems so it, obvious. It seems so obvious. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, yes. I, I uh, yonder has run conferences and, you know, we get people that do this kind of work in a room together and we all kind of think like, ah, oh, duh, everybody's going to do this. And then I go to other conferences and try to talk to existing companies about doing this and they just don't seem to get it. They certainly are good, are having a hard time making the transition, but there's just so much, you know, they, they're, it, they're, it's hard for them to tra transition over particularly legacy c uh, companies, but uh, you know, law is a legacy profession. Right. Well, and, and exactly. And, and, and law is, uh, is practically risk averse, sure. right? Attorneys, people be, go to law school because they're risk averse to begin with. <laughs> it's a safe profession. <laughs> it is, you know, it's not, right, yeah. it's not like business. Yep, you want to keep uh, your in-laws happy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. And then, uh, and then in law school, you're taught precedence. You're taught how to look for danger, right. And, and advise your clients about everything that can go wrong. And then you're encouraged to go to, uh, an old established law firm and, and there you're taught to be even more risk averse and you're surrounded by risk averse people. So that was, that was a challenge by the sure. way, that, that challenge, but it's also been um, from a business perspective, um, a, a strength because, uh, you know, as I said, other law firms, we thought we had a five year head start and we, we were worried that that wouldn't be enough. And here we are 10 years later and there've been very few um, competitors in the marketplace. Uh, there are a couple distributed law firms out there, um, but you know, it, it, only I would say one or two that are focused in the same type of niche that we're focused in in high-end corporate law. Um, and uh, they actually started not long after we did, uh, quite coincidentally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have thought that a bunch of traditional law firms would have transitioned into this model by now. But for all the reasons we stated, they haven't. Yeah. And I've worked with a lot of different lawyers and law firms over the years. And 
it seems like, um, you know, one of the things I advise when, when someone is looking for a lawyer is like, look for somebody that gets it. <laughs> look for somebody that you can relate. There's oftentimes this sort of emperor's new clothes kind of feeling with a lawyer. Like, I'm not going to understand them. I'm not, you know, that's a whole world that I don't understand. So I should probably hire someone that I don't understand. That's a good sign. Um, and, uh, and so I'm curious because you're so forward thinking, this feels like such a softball question, but how do, how do your clients like it? I'm, I'm guessing that you're attracting clients that are much more forward thinking. Um, Yes, actually, you know, it's funny you say it's a softball question, but actually it's, it's, uh, that was uh, an area where, you know, things were actually a little bit different than we expected. I think at first we went out and really made a big deal out of this remote distributed law firm or different, you know, we're cutting edge. um, And, and because our overhead was lower, we could charge less. Right and and still uh, make good money. So we we emphasized uh, the the cost savings you could get. You know the Harvard lawyer that's got twenty years of experience, at, you know, doing Goldman Sachs work or whatever, at half the price. Um, and because of, I think what you what you were you previously stated, the clients were a little bit scared <laughs> of that. Again, too good yeah, to be true yeah. syndrome, right? Um, and so we found that when we were doing that, they were actually comparing us to lower end law firms. Yeah. Um, and there was no, just again, because the, the price model or whatever it might be. Uh, and so we, we decided, you know, uh, this is a model that obviously is, um, or we thought obviously, uh, allows us to attract really excellent attorneys, uh, and allows us to do work in a more efficient, uh, and higher quality, uh, manner. Uh, but we don't necessarily have to, um, focus on our model so much. Let's focus on the fact that we have these great lawyers. Let's focus on the work we're doing, the experience that we're bringing to the table. And then then the distributed model is the secret sauce that allows for all of this to happen, right? And yeah, some clients, uh, we, we know that for them, they're going to get it. It's going to be more important to them. So to those clients, we, we make a bigger deal out of it. Um, other clients, I would say the majority though, don't really care, quite yeah. frankly. Uh, the majority just want good lawyers, good quality work, uh, and they couldn't care less uh, where the lawyers happen to be situated or how they how they're working together. Um, I think as this community of distributed um, uh, uh, companies uh, out there grow, then um, then I think you know we'll definitely want to market more to those companies because clearly they get it. But a lot of our clients are you know, working in an office themselves. And so uh, we don't really necessarily want to overemphasize um, something that they might not particularly appreciate. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of companies go through this. I think I'm going to call this the guilt of remote uh, that yeah. there's sort of this feeling. So, you know, in your example of the Harvard lawyer with 20 years of experience who now wants to go live on Martha's Vineyard, you know, uh, um, and, and work from there because wouldn't that be great? There's sort of this, um, uh, caveat, either this sort of this expectation on both sides of like, well, I'm not working in Boston anymore. So, I could take less money. I probably should take less money because, you know, and we see this also in companies, you know, especially companies that have remote in the classic sense, you know, hey, John works at home. He doesn't have to do the commute. He doesn't have to get dressed. Uh, so he could probably make less money. We could probably respect him less. We could probably not treat him as a full-fledged member of the team. And in both cases, it just ends up falling apart because it just, it, you know, that, that sort of guilt kind of thing, um, starts to be seen more than the work. And what's really important is the work, is the work good enough? And, and it can be. Right, exactly. And, and so that's why, you know, for us from, again, internally speaking, we don't have that issue of, you know, John is working in his, uh, in his home. So he must be in his pajamas. Right. You know, we don't have that because of course our model is built on that. Uh, so it would be very odd for anybody to be thinking that about yeah. one of their colleagues. Yep. Um, and externally, yeah, I mean, exactly. We never know uh, if a client is going to have some kind of um, prejudice or, or 
you know, not, not out of malice, but, you know, some kind of uh, yeah, understanding that is outdated, like you described. Um, so we, we don't, we don't lead with that. Now, once the client uh, is working with us, I think they start to appreciate, wow, this firm is working in a much more efficient mm-hmm. way. Uh, you know, we, we get more partner time than uh, we don't get as much work pushed down to associates. You know, the, we've noticed that there's more flexibility in billing, not cheaper necessarily, but, but more flexible, more efficient. Done, things are done quicker, you know. Uh, and again, we're able to, because of our model, attract these great lawyers um, uh, who then in turn are creating excellent work product. And so we can focus on that. And so once that happens, then, you know, clients aren't worried about the things you described. Uh, I, I, one other thing I want to say is that um, we also decided a couple years in, when we first started, we, we were purely virtual, right? Um, so we were always distributed, but we were also virtual. We had no offices. Um, and we found that that was fine, but that, uh, that we, uh, we realized, or at least in our model, that it would be useful to have some brick-and-mortar offices um, while maintaining a distributed workforce. So uh, offices where our attorneys could go in if they needed to, offices where our clients could go in to have private conversations, um, places where we could have, you know, mail uh, sent uh, without it being, you know, someone's yep. home. Uh, so maintaining privacy, all of that. And so that also helps because from the client's perspective, okay, I mean, they don't really necessarily know or care where our attorneys are working. Um, it's not that we hide the ball. We're very, you know, honest and open about it, but uh, they know that if they need to meet with us, you know, we're going to be there in our suit in midtown Manhattan or wherever we need to be uh, just like the types of firms they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's, yeah, about building trust, rapport. There's even a marketing aspect to having an office, you know, just a, a point of reference that people can point to. They are there. I have just right. walked down the street and walked past your office. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And so to use actually your Martha's Vineyard example is a, is a very good example. You know, you could live in Martha Martha's Vineyard. You could work in Martha's vin- Vineyard. And that one time a month, when you you know really need that high sp- speed printer, or uh, you want to uh, meet with your client in you know uh, on in, in Boston and on State Street, you can do that. You know, dress up and go and, and uh, so you're not losing anything as a result. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, the firm can still maintain relatively lower costs because rather than having one office for every attorney and and uh, also space for staff. Uh, you can have one office for every six attorneys, right? Yep. Uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, talk to me about any roadblocks you hit along the way, any sort of surprises or gotchas, uh, either related to being a law firm and the sort of uh, regulation stuff you may have hit up against or or m- more just generally, you know, being a, a geo separated company roadblocks well i mean i I think that the well you know the the aspect of um being purely virtual as as we were discussing um that was kind of a um i I don't know about roadblock but something we identified as okay well we could be distributed but still have have uh, office space to allow for uh more collaboration um Another thing is, you know, when we first started out uh, in a distributed model, uh, we we didn't. It took us a while to figure out all the different ways to effectively collaborate, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't yeah. looking back ten years and saying, "Oh, it's obvious." You know, we we will use video, and obviously we'll use you know this document management tool and all that. You know, um, so some of it was pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, again, like using document management systems and emails uh, based in the cloud and billing systems based in the cloud. That was that was obvious from day one. Um, but, you know, how to effectively uh, run a meeting when you have, you know, now 70, uh, you know, 80 attorneys uh, spread across the co- actually three continents, you know, because we're in Europe, yep. uh, we're in Asia and, and, and we're in America. So, uh, how, how to run that effectively without having a few people um, monopolize the conversation or without making it just, you know, management speaking to everybody without any kind of collaboration. Yeah. You know, that takes time to figure out how to do that. 
how many of those meetings do you want a month? What are actually discussed in those meetings? Um, how do you, uh, you know, how, do, how often do you need to get together? How do you know when you someone's know? done talking? Yeah. Yes. Yes. How do you know when someone's done talking? Or in the case of attorneys, how do you get someone to stop talking? You know, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I say it with love. Uh, so, so all of those things take time. Um, it's also uh, building a culture around it, right? Making sure that uh, everybody feels welcome and also feels that they, they should be speaking up mm-hmm. because that's what the model requires. So I would say that it was more of an evolution in that sense, you know, uh, and, and we're learning and we're still evolving and we're still constantly trying to um, increase collaboration and collegiality as we grow. Were there any areas, uh, I get this question a lot in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's asked from a legal perspective. Sometimes it's asked from a sort of accounting and tax perspective. But were there any areas that you found like the law wasn't really keeping up or at least sort of sometimes not the law so much as uh, employment guidelines and and stuff like that wasn't really keeping up with this way of thinking? Okay, now I understand. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, there, there are there are specifically laws and regulations that, um, uh, for example, New Jersey uh, had a law in the books that you need to have an actual office uh, if you want to practice law in New Jersey, uh, and that office. I actually don't remember if this is New Jersey or a different keep people state. People from working out of their cars is that? <laughs> you know what it really is about. I, mean, I think it's dispersions on New Jersey. There's lawyers yeah. working from out of their cars all over the country. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's fine. Uh, but but they, they not only do you need to have an office, but you need to have. Uh, and and I'm not sure if this is New Jersey. I'd have to look back and see. But I believe it was New Jersey. There's a couple states that are like this, uh-huh. where you actually have to have a receptionist. And if somebody walks into the office at any given time, I think Texas is like this too. They they need to be able to come in, uh, and you need to be available to them. Um, so, uh, I mean, the reason for doing this, I would guess, in New Jersey, is probably because they don't want, quite frankly, Manhattan or Philadelphia lawyers. Um, you know, we're. Uh, kind of taking over uh-huh. uh they want to have if you're going to be in new jersey you got to be in new jersey kind sure of thing. yep yep um and so the, yeah the, and 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 also part of it is outdated you know the regulatory issues are hard to change with time legal issues uh it made sense if you're going to be practicing law in new jersey where it would make sense if your clients should be able to find you but that was probably something that was set up years and years ago um I don't want to pick on New Jersey because it's not just New Jersey. So these <laughs> there are, issues, there are other <laughs> messed up states too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and, and uh, you know California, where I'm from, has got lots of messed up issues. And so uh, you know, a lot all of regulation of, in California, yeah, lots of regulations, um, and you know, it's it, even more so now. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, even names that uh, a law firm can have. And, there are all these issues that um, that were set up, you know, in the 1800s. Uh, you know how how uh, how people get paid. Uh, there are a lot of regulations around that with a law firm that um, that make it a little more complicated. Uh, so now, as a distributed company, do you have to adhere to all of those laws individually, or do you? You know, uh, is the the legal headquarters of the company i'm guessing california you know and then and then you're and then people working in new jersey are sort of following (laughs) that how how does that work for you because again a law firm may work differently than a web development firm yeah well so uh it depends on the regulation right so for example the the one i was talking about in let's say new jersey you might not be poor new jersey but let's say the new jersey one where you need to have an office um, that only applies to New Jersey. So if if you have a lawyer in New Jersey, and we have two great lawyers in New Jersey, so we have to make sure we're in compliance there. So you have to make sure that as far as those attorneys are practicing law in New Jersey, they have to comply with the laws of New Jersey. Right. That doesn't have any effect on the attorneys in you know Rome or whatever. Um, there are other rules that you have to go with the strictest interpretation. Yeah. So um, Florida for example, has very strict rules about um, advertising as a law firm. And if you're going to have one lawyer and, you know, if you're going to go with the most, the strictest interpretation, uh, if you have even one client in Florida, potentially, mm. then the entire firm has to comply in terms of what's what, what the website says. 
you know, um, Texas, for example, uh, where we don't yet have uh, any lawyers, but we were looking into it. Um, Texas requires you to list every city where you have um, an office uh, on your homepage. And that's kind of, that's hard to do when you're a model like ours, right? And why on the homepage? Right. It, you know? it goes from looking kind of neat, you know, oh, wow, they've got 40 offices to when you've got 110 offices, it's kind of not neat anymore. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. how do you define an office? You know, they, they, they didn't, they didn't need to, these answers were obvious 20 years ago, right? Well, what do you right. mean, how do you define an office? An office is wherever you have an office. But for right. us, is Sally's Sally's guest bedroom is our office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 so in those cases, you have to go with the strictest uh, rules. Um, Cal- when it comes to employment law, California is probably the strictest. So we have to comply with California laws, um, you know, across the board. Now, again, there are certain things that will only apply to employees in California. Um, but it does get difficult uh, if you're yeah. constantly having to go with the strictest uh, interpretation. But, I feel like I should insert in here. We get we get a fair amount of listeners who are people who are sort of curious about building their own distributed company or transferring. What we're talking about here is is uh, laws around lawyers and law firms. This is not all companies have to have to adhere to these things. Some of them maybe, but uh, yeah, I, I would I would say that in terms of non law firm issues, I I have not come across many issues. I, I I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that, but. Um, these are mostly bar rules and ethics rules right. having to do with practicing law. Yeah. I can't think of many issues we've come across where, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, healthcare, providing healthcare and employment law issues. Yeah, every time you go to a new state, you have to do a foreign filing in that state. So that is a little bit of a pain. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, what, what have you seen? Well, I've certainly signed a lot of tax forms from a lot of states over the years. Oh, uh, yes, but, taxes, but, you know, yes. But it's not. I mean, it's straightforward. It's not, there's not a particular gotcha. There's some funny things about performing services in Texas where you have to pay, like, you, I don't know, they kind of suck you in in a way. I'm, I'm not, it's not even all coming to mind right now. Uh, but, uh, but for the most part, it's been relatively smooth. There are certainly some, Areas that are kind of gray areas just, you know, haven't been fully fleshed out, you know, uh, and so you, you do your best, uh, you know, kind of try to, you know, keep it all above board. I'm not talking about hiding anything, but there's just, you know, some stuff where it's like, huh, I can't quite figure out what we're exactly supposed to do here. So we'll just try to be good citizens of the world and and uh, do our best and and, uh, you know. And yeah, and and look, I mean, we're we're a law firm, so this might sound so self-serving, but uh, you know, you don't have to hire us. But I got to say, you know, it's very important to have a good good lawyer to advise you because absolutely, there are employment laws that are going to be very different in different places that apply to everybody, not just law firms. So, for example, California just passed the law this year that if you're hiring someone, you can't ask them what their salary was in their last yeah. position. Right. You would you wouldn't know that if you're if you're running a distributed you wouldn't know, yeah, actually, a lot of countries have had this. And, you know, at Lullabot, we were just sort of asking it to people kind of casually, you know, it wasn't even necessarily on our, <laughs> our yeah. you know, job application. We were just sort of asking people casually. So make sure that the salary that we offered them was in line. And, you know, every so often we would be hiring someone who would become horribly offended by that question. It seemed really odd as Americans <laughs> that that would be happening. But now uh, Californians can be offended by that as well. And New York. <laughs> and New York as well has. Yes. So it's uh, that not just offended, but you can get in a lot of trouble, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. So or we, whether we, you classify someone as an independent contractor or an employee. So employment law is uh, big. Certainly employment law. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Tax, taxes, you touched upon a very important thing as well. Yeah. I, would, I would definitely advise anyone who's thinking of forming uh, or or converting a traditional company to a distributed one, um, even even something as simple as what entity you choose, whether you're a corporation, a partnership, mm-hmm. or LLC, is going to affect – your tax could be significantly higher or lower, lower based on where especially the money is coming days, from. Yes. <laughs> Was that? Sorry? Yeah. I said especially these days. Yes. Uh, yes. Things are f- – flipping around and it's is that good bad i don't know what should we be a c corp now or is s corp still okay and, yeah, yeah and it all depends no. where's your money coming from right well, if it's coming again, from a low is... tax state or if it's coming from a high tax state it, it could all make a big difference 
Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. The state tax used to be, you could write that off and yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Here again, this is what I was talking about earlier. Like as a distributed company earlier on in the progress of your company, you're going to need to figure these things out. Get a lawyer, get an accountant, uh, at least someone who can consult with you on these things uh, early on and just ask, you know, I mean, it doesn't cost that much to, you know, even at four or $500 an hour, you can get a lot of information just with a couple of questions in an email, 15 minutes uh, of time, uh, you know, uh, to know like, is this okay? Are we, are we legal? Uh, um, yeah. And, and you can find people in both of those professions for cheaper than those rates. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, talk to me about, um, connected we we talked some about collaboration but i want to talk about sort of connectiveness and and culture and in particular you you mentioned that you everyone at your company gets together three times a year that's that's a, a lot of times uh um where does that work how does that work what happens there uh does everyone come together uh and what purpose does it serve yeah, yeah, and, and and this is uh, another example of where we're still learning, right? So um, initially, we did everything, like I said, virtually, uh, so just purely video conference and, and whatnot. And then our attorneys started to say, you know, we really need to have an attorney retreat once a year where the firm pays for everybody to go somewhere. And we spent three days really just focusing on team building. Um, and uh, so we did that, and it was just, you know, just the – the attorneys uh, and focused on, you know, bringing or, or how, how we can serve our clients uh, better, how we can cross sell more, uh, who else we can go out there and, and pitch work to and, and whatnot. Um, and that was a huge success. It was wonderful. So much came out of that, uh, uh, that we thought, well, you know, maybe we should be doing more of this um, because once a year is a pretty long time um, to, to wait. So we decided, and by the way, the retreat was one of our attorney's ideas. Um, uh, our, the great thing about our firm, I believe, is that we've, uh, we believe that it's being built by all of us. So our attorneys are constantly coming up with great ideas. So another one mm. of our attorneys said, okay, well, you know, it's, these retreats are very expensive. So, um, you know, the firm shouldn't be expected to fly everybody out and put them up and, you know, pay for lots of spectacular events and whatnot um, more than once a year. Uh, but why don't we have two more of these a year where the attorneys pay for their own travel and, and accommodations, but the wow. firm pays for the, the events and, and the meeting space. And so uh, we call those get-togethers. So the retreat, the yearly retreat is now a partner retreat where only the partners come and uh, we can really focus on very um, high-level stuff. Uh, and, uh, and that's always in a location where none of our attorneys live. So it's a true uh -huh. retreat. And then the, right. the two get togethers where the, where the attorneys pay for their own travel and accommodations, but the firm pays for everything else. Um, those are open to all our attorneys. And what we do there is, um, we have a host city. Uh, so we're basically going around to all our different offices. Um, so we've done Boston, LA, New York, San Francisco, Washington, DC, San Diego, and so on and so forth. So every time somebody feels special, you know, because we're going to, to their town or city. Yep. And, and so those are, you know, a little uh, less formal in a sense, but they're also very focused on team building. And there we've experimented as well. You know, we, should we bring in a speaker? Should we do more activities? Should we do more um, mixers? And we found that, the best thing to do is just have lots and lots of opportunities for people to just hang out and get to know each other. So that's what the focus is on. Yeah. 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 Are, if, if people are paying their own way to get there, are they optional? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, you should it's know pretty much everything we do is, is, is optional because we, I mean, other than, you know, being responsive, uh, being collegial, uh, and, and, you know, making sure the client gets the best possible service when it comes to our meetings, we feel that if the meetings are good, people will come to them. If they're not good, then we shouldn't force them to come. <laughs> so so not, not, right. no one's forced to come. But the retreat, the yearly retreat, pretty, pretty much every partner comes to the extent that someone doesn't come. It's because they get sick or something like that and they can't come. Um, so uh, that's not an issue. And, and the get-togethers, 
about, I would say, uh, 60% of the attorneys come to those. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, the rest of your staff is, is just working remotely the whole time. Yeah. So staff is something that we're, we're still, uh, you know, kind of trying different things as well. So we, we have, originally we have, uh, we've hired staff in uh, locations where we have attorneys with particular needs. I mean, our staff are mostly generalizable, right? The accountants and the IT support and marketing support, you know, they, they help everybody in the firm. Um, but there's, you know, certain functions that are more focused on certain attorneys. For example, litigation paralegals might be more likely to be in the city where we have, you know, that, that need, that particular need. So they tend to be in, you know, cities where we have the attorneys. Um, but uh, more recently we've started, and, and we also have other administrative staff that are, are not at all where we have attorneys. It was just more of a um, uh, opportunistic, you know, we, we, we want, you know, this great bookkeeper. We don't really care where this bookkeeper is. Uh, and we found great ones that way. Now, more recently, uh, we've started to uh, build more of a back office, but it's a virtual back office uh, in Boise, Idaho. Um, so we identified that Boise's, we believe the best place for us is in the center of the country. It's got great workforce, great pricing. Um, and And so when we're hiring new staff members, we first look in Boise. Uh, they still work from uh-huh. from home mostly, uh, but that way they get to see each other, you know, on a regular basis. Uh-huh. So you know, they get lunch right. together, they get drinks together, things like that. Um, and you know, we've we've thought about having uh, staff retreats as well, uh, and we're probably going to move in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, at Lullaby, we ended up with a lot of people around Des Moines, oh, really? Iowa. Same sort of thing. The sort of staff people uh you know who ended up kind of introducing us to one another and uh and stuff like that so, yeah yeah, nice. yeah. No, it's a, that's an interesting yeah an interesting uh way of doing yeah it. i mean yeah. that's that's the thing when you're distributed right and so you have people in different time zones um so that's why you know for for again the law firm's different every company is different but for law firm support staff um are ultimately supporting the attorneys and so we have to, it took us a while to figure out how to ca- calibrate, you know, yeah. if we have New yeah, York, that's, California, that's for example, that's great. Cause then we cover more time zones, but then that means the California person isn't awake when the New York person's awake. And you know, it's uh, right. So that's time. I feel like time zones are always a gotcha. <laughs> it's always one of those things you think like, Oh, this is, we could figure this out. It's not gonna be a problem. And then you spend about a year and a half of like, Oh, I didn't, Oh, I misunderstood. Oh, there was a time change. Oh. And then, you know, uh, two years into a, a distributed company, you go, okay, here's what we're doing. Yes. <laughs> and then you figure it out either. And sometimes it's like, we're uh, at Lullabot for the most part, we said, okay, we're only hiring people in the Western hemisphere. Like, you know, it's just too, like too hard to have people, you know, uh, in, um, East Asia, you know, uh, Australia, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes, or, or at least if we are hiring people there to let them know, like the canonical time <laughs> zone, uh, is us Eastern, right. more or less, right. you know, um, and, and even just the idea of having a canonical time zone, but yeah, that's one of those things that it's so easy to like, Oh, no, we'll figure this out, but well, it's really <laughs> It ends up being a, yeah, uh, and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, and that I think it's one of those things that at the beginning is actually very hard, right? So if you were all in one location, time zone is not an issue. So up until you've got, you know, let's say 30 people, it's easier. Um, but I think with yep. uh, a distributed model, time zones work in your favor in the long run, right? So once you get past that headache and once you yes. hit a certain critical mass, which we, we now feel we've we've hit, um, then it's it's also nice because – the sun never sets on the on the corporate work, right? Um, yes. And so, right. <laughs> again, it's it's it takes a while because you need to have enough people who can do enough things, and there needs to be enough overlap, whether that's possible. And I can't say we're completely there yet, you know, because we are in the sense of U.S. Yeah. time zones. Um, but you know, it's we don't have people necessarily. Uh, we we have uh, outdoor solutions for you know word processing that needs to be done in the middle of the night or IT that needs to be done in the middle of the night, but as we grow, we expect that we will have 
staff members that are just you know working together very closely to make sure that the work is done regardless of time because they're distributed across the entire globe right yeah yeah wow yeah great stuff um Man, I I feel like I could we could just talk for <laughs> another hour or two. Well, yeah, I could probably talk for another twenty minutes just about time zones. Uh, but um, well, this is this is a great uh, conversation. Thank you so much, Michael. I um, had 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 a idea that this was going to be a great conversation. I'm, it really uh, uh, met my expectations. Um, I'm sure that people who are listening um, have uh, more questions for you. If if they do, where where can they uh, sure. track well, you down? Uh, first of all, thank you. This has been a pleasure for me as well. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to to talk to anybody who would like to uh, to learn more to discuss potentially ways we can collaborate. They can feel free to actually just uh, email me directly. Uh, my email is michael uh, at ramonlaw.com, and our website is ramonlaw.com, which is r i m o n l a w dot com. Great. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. You too. Have a good day. Bye-bye.